Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Church, what's up? It's good to see all of you. If you're joining us online, we're really glad that you're here with us as well. Um, Back in the day, I decided to uh, transfer schools because I was chasing a girl. The girl's name is Sarah. And uh, so I transferred from the University of St. Francis here in Fort Wayne to go to Manchester College, now known as Manchester University, much more prestigious um, because they got rid of me. Uh, That's how they were able to make that jump. Uh, And I decided to go from criminal justice as my major to computer science. Uh, because here's, this was my rationale. Um, I liked at the time to play video games. It was like one of my passions, you know, like it was like Sarah and video games. It was my passion. And so I decided like, you know, that's a decent idea to like, what if I could just play video games the rest of my life, make them. And I, and I knew a programmer and he seemed to be somewhat normal. And, uh, I just thought like maybe this would be a good track. And so I decided to go there. And so in, in my first programming class, before I could like, you know, program a whole, uh, uh, video game, I had to learn some basics. And so they were teaching us in the Java language, in Java, uh, and, and I had to learn some of the, just a very basic coding uh, to start. And this was if-then statement. So basically, if, if this variable is met, then the, the program executes this thing, this result. And, and so like, as I've you know, thought about that over time, uh, because obviously I didn't take that route, like I don't, I don't do that on the side right now, um, make video games. But I've thought about how not just computer pro- programs and, and coding, not only do they have if-then statements, but a lot of us, all of us really, uh, over the course of our lives, we've, we've written some if-then statements for our lives. Now, for a lot of us, we've, we've never like really said these things out loud. It's just things that we live by, if-then. Like, if this happens, then I do this. And some of us, like many of us, it is a result of like experiences that we had uh, growing up, like if someone did this, then I learned to do that to try and survive, try and cope with whatever I was going through. And, and so like, here's just some, some ideas of some of the if-then statements that sometimes uh, they may be in our lives. So uh, if, if things are going well, then I should be happy, right? Like that makes sense. But have you ever had moments where things seem to be going well and you're still not happy? Well, what's going on? Now, if, if I win, then I will be celebrated, If I achieve, then I'll be worth it. If I get that promotion, then I'll be worth it. If I get straight A's, then I'm smart. If I get a B, then I'm not smart. If I, if I help someone, then they will help me. Because I want to give them as much as I can. And, you know, sometimes the helper needs the help. And sometimes the helper doesn't get the help in the way that the helper wanted the help. Because they're really good at helping. If I'm not praised, then I'm not valuable. What about you? Uh, If I ignore this, then it will go away. We'll just kind of put that over there in the corner and we'll just let it sit. And hopefully this conflict will go away. If I give it enough time, then I will feel better. But, you know, time heals all wounds. But does it? Sometimes we still sit with the hurt from a long time ago. So what's going on? If I love someone, then I will be trampled on, because that's what my experiences have shown. If I work for God, then God will love me, finally. If I'm hurting, then I should suck it up 
and deal with it because there's a lot of other people dealing with a lot of other stuff and I really don't need to be burdened by this emotion of feeling bad. I just need to get through it. If I'm doing well, then I should get the credit. After all, I worked really hard for this. The idea that someone else would get the glory, that's, that's not in my psyche. So what about you? Like, you probably have some if-then statements. You probably have to spend some time really thinking about what that means and what that would be in your life. But here's, here's what James wants to do as we close out the book of James. Is he wants to end with helping us rewrite some if-then statements in our lives. To help us have our minds be transformed by the gospel. Because uh, some of us, we still, even though we follow Jesus, we have not transferred, we've not rewritten those if-then statements, and we still deal with things the same way we used to when we didn't follow Jesus. And what we've found over time is that it's not healthy. And so what he wants us to do is to give us some new frameworks, if you will, for the programming of our lives. So if you have a Bible, we'll jump into James chapter 5, and uh, this, is, this is the last part of this letter And James is starting to kind of close us out. So this is what he says in verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, homies, sis, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes mean yes and your no mean no so that you won't fall under judgment. So uh, James continues. We're going to stop there for a second. Um, James continues in this letter to talk about the importance of our words, right? Uh, it kind of can sometimes feel a little nitpicky because he's like getting like real specific on things we shouldn't say and should say. And, and here he's talking about oath giving, uh, like not, he's, when he says swear, he's not saying like a, like he's not speaking against curse words. He's not, not saying they're good or bad, but it's just not even the conversation he's having right now. Okay. So, um, don't, you know, people don't, don't use this as an excuse. Well, you know, Brandon didn't say it was bad to curse. It's not what I'm saying. Okay. It's not. It's a different, different conversation for a different day, all right? Um, but what he is saying is, hey, um, you know sometimes in life, you want to convince someone that you're really telling the truth. And you say, you know what? Listen, listen, listen. I'm so convinced that this is the truth. I want you to know that I'm really telling the truth. Uh, I swear to what you're going to swear to. You swear to stuff, right? Swear to, swear to people. Swear to somebody's grave. Swear, some people swear to the Lord, like, oh man, if, if I, I'm just putting that on the table and I'm just trying to convince you that what I'm saying is right. And what James is saying is like, hey, just like the business owners from earlier in the letter who would say, hey, we're going to go to this place, we're going to do this thing, and uh, it's going to work out really well, we're going to make this kind of profit, and uh, we've got it all figured out, we don't need God to intercede or, or be involved at all, we've got it all figured out, we're good, um, James is like, hey, uh, just like with them, like you, you don't have the power nor the perspective to make that kind of commitment. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, for, for Jesus followers, truth should be our automatic. We, don't, we shouldn't need to give people an extra reason to believe what we're saying. Our words are our commitment. They're binding. That is what we say. We don't need an extra motivation to tell the truth. Uh, what we say is yes. And, and if someone is asking you a question, you give them the truth. And if, if someone is asking you to make a commitment that you cannot make, because you know that you cannot hold your end of the bargain, then you tell them that. You don't, you don't say, oh, I'll try. But if you know that you can't keep it up, then you don't make a commitment that you cannot keep. 
And because we don't have the power nor the perspective to know what the future holds. So all we can say is, yes, I, I can, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try. Uh, sometimes we have to keep our commitments a little lower because we know that sometimes life happens. See, because the, what lies beneath oath giving and, and swearing by something is the poisonous soil of pride. If, if we have, have made some declaration that this is certainly how it's going to be, we are placing pride on the throne, the throne that Jesus is supposed to sit on. So a lot of us, we need some humility. And James is just saying, hey, uh, I, I've got a, a number of things I want to get uh, to you over the course of this last closing time. Uh, and, and, and this is one. Where we should be a community of truth tellers. Where, where we, we're honest. We don't, we don't lead someone on. We, we commit and we say what we mean. So we are truthful at all times. We don't need extra motivation to be honest. Verse 13, it says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Well, we know because of what we've been reading, because you guys are all scholars on the book of James. Tell your friends. Add it to your Twitter or Instagram bio, TikTok, make a video. Um, is anyone among you suffering? Well, he should pray. It's a good idea. Maybe not only pray. Like You may need to go to counseling too. But you should start and end in prayer. If you're suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Sometimes the hardest time to pray is when things are going well. Because a lot of us are pre-programmed. We've, we've had that, that code written in us that when things are bad, we should pray. But what about when things are good? Sometimes people fall the most when they experience success because they forget who got them there. And they forget who's actually in control. I'm not even into the sermon yet. i just got to keep going. Okay, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith, get this, y'all. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. Okay, so there's a lot there. Uh, among things, Elijah making a lot of farmers really upset because of his prayer. Um, right? Like, maybe, maybe they... like you know, threatened his life, and he was like, okay, we'll, we'll have it rain. I don't know, but uh, that, that, what, is, what is James getting at here? James, as he ends this letter, he wants the community of Christians, these followers of Jesus, to understand the vision of what James wants for them, what God would want for them as a people. Notice he says, brothers and sisters. I know in our individualistic society that it can sometimes feel like the people you don't know super well in the church uh, are not your brothers and sisters, like you wouldn't think of them as that way. However, uh, in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, that is who we are. Like you are, like whether, whether I know a lot about you or whether you know a lot about me, uh, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ because Jesus is the one who brings us together. And so we are brought together by the blood of Jesus. And what he wants for us is us to be a family who, when, when we are hurting, we pray to him 
individually, and I know because we've done these Thrive surveys that a lot of you pray often, that is, that is what you said, that you pray often. That's a great thing. But um, I will say this. A prayerful community is not created by a bunch of individuals alone praying to God just by themselves. A prayerful community, what James is getting at, is a community of people who come together and pray together and pray for one another. Where we can be humble enough to ask for someone else to pray for us when we're hurting, when we're sick. When we are humble enough to, to bring it to God, to not be convinced by the ways of the world that would say, hey, you know what, like God's a little busy right now, so you don't need to burden him with your little minor thing, even though it's really major in your life. Don't buy into that lie. He, he's, he's got enough capacity to handle your stuff. So go to him. When things are good, like it can make us feel like, well, look at me. Like, <laughs> did that, you know. But who gets the glory when you experience success? That really tells you who is on the throne the whole time. See, pride is a, is a, is a messy thing. Because pride will convince you that you're not worth it to be prayed for because of insecurities. And pride will also convince you that you don't need to pray because you've got it all figured out. But what James wants us to experience is a prayerful community, a community where we bring our stuff to each other. Um, because this is what he wants, right? Like we live in a go mode society. Like a lot of us have one speed and it's go. We're on it. We go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, right? And what James wants us to experience is the life-giving journey of, of going alongside of Jesus. And when we are going and going and going, to have the frame of mind, to have the awareness that we need to stop. There are times when we need to stop and bring the Lord into our presence to, to invite him. Lord, can you please have your way with me in this? Because I'm going into this meeting and I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what they're bringing to me. Um, hey, Lord, in this project that, I, that they just put me in charge of, like I really need your providence and your guidance because I, I feel like way over my head. Lord, uh, I'm feeling tired, and I know that I'm just supposed to keep going, but I really am tired. I need you to give me the strength that I need. Like how often are we inviting God into the nitty-gritty details of our, of our days? And, and so it's not just when we are suffering or just when, like, it's not just when we're at the peak, of, at the very edge of the valley and we're just right down at the bottom or at the peak of the mountaintop. It's like, yeah, we should pray at, when we're way up here and saying, yeah, and when we're like down here, like, oh, but we should pray all throughout, all on the up downs of life, all throughout, all the twists and turns, the corkscrews and all of it. We need to pray to him and also invite other people into our Situation, Because when we try to fix our own situation, we are once again putting pride on the throne of our lives. And so I, I don't want us to gloss over what he says. You may have noticed it um, in James chapter 5, uh, verse, verse 14. He says, is anyone, anyone, anyone among you sick? Um, he should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then he says this in verse 15. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Okay, so like, um, just, I want to get a little bit of theology nerd stuff happening right here, okay? So everyone, if you don't have your glasses on, just you know, imagine you have glasses on and do one of these. 
uh, and we're going we're gonna to go into a place. So uh, there's a big word called cessationalism, okay, cessationalism. And the idea is that, um, here, here's, the, here's the way we position this, um, that the, the, the miraculous gifts were given only to the apostles, Okay, so um, if, if someone needs to be healed, only the apostles could do that, right? Because Jesus gave them the power to do that. Uh, you can see this in the Gospels and all that. Um, and so when the apostles died, God's miraculous work in, in the world ceased. So that's where you get the cessationalism, ceased. It ceased, okay? So um, that means like, hey, we shouldn't expect God to heal people. Like if you're, if you're sick... Hopefully, like, the doctors can figure it out because God's done doing things in that way. Because, and, and they've got some, some reasons for that. Like, miracles in the New Testament were given. Uh, like, let's just say Jesus walking down the street, right? Because he'd be walking down the street because he didn't have a car. Um, and so he's walking and someone's uh, hurting. I know, you got that. That was good. I appreciate laughs. It makes me feel better about myself. Um, it does, but it's not, don't laugh for anyway. Um, so he's walking down the street, and then and then someone's hurting, and he decides to heal them. Well, why did he heal them? Well, because when he came, right, he said, uh, "Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand." So you need to repent and turn to me. Uh, so Jesus ushered in the kingdom when he he arrived on earth, right? And the kingdom when he returns to usher in this kingdom in its fullness. The kingdom is now and not yet. It's here, but it's also not in its fullness. Um, and so when Jesus comes back, he's going to uh, right every wrong. So everything will be made new. So no more pain, no more tears on your eyes. It's all going to be wiped away. And so everything's going to be as it was supposed to be. Perfect, okay? Um, so what did Jesus do when he came? Well, he started to take away sickness So because he, the kingdom of God was at hand. Because in the kingdom of God, there's going to be no sickness, ultimately. And so he would heal people of, of sickness. He would also heal people of their sins. He would forgive them. And so all, all throughout his time in his ministry, he would do miracles to prove his authority, right? So this is what miracles are to do. They, they're the, the apostles in the book of Acts, they would go around doing miracles. And this would be a sign of testifying of their authority that it's not from them, but it's in the name of Jesus that you would be risen up. And, and in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And people would rise up and walk. And it was to give people an idea of, oh, the one true God is, is King Jesus. And, and he's here and he's the one in charge. And so then they would say, well, because of that, no longer does God do miracles today. Because the apostles are dead. Okay. But this, this is where we get really tough. Because then we have to start, like, I have a master's degree in theology. And, and sometimes in theology, um, if you have a theological bent and you start reading the Bible, which is a good idea, you'll, you'll eventually come to something in Scripture that, that just kind of makes your theological positioning a little bit difficult. You're like, well, that does not line up. That does not fit in my nice little systematic theology box. And then we have choices. We can either ignore them, we just move on, which is usually the easiest route, or we can try and explain it away. Well, here's, here's the problem. Uh, Jesus, or James, half-brother Jesus, says, hey, if any of you is sick, uh, he should call for the elders of the church, not the apostles, call for the elders of the church, local, uh, called people by God to, who, are, who are there to shepherd uh, and guide the flock. The, the flock of the church, okay? You should call upon these local leaders who are not apostles, and, and you should ask them to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And, and this is what it says, verse 15. The prayer of faith, not just the prayer of the apostles' faith, but the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So like this is a little problematic for a cessationalist. And I, maybe you've grew, grown up this way. And I'm just here to say like I'm not trying to give you like a new like little nice, nice and tidy little box to put uh, to add to your little other nice and tidy box. Or to maybe blow that box up or whatever. But just understand like we should approach scripture with humility and understand that maybe God's still at work even now. Even if we can't explain it. And so, like, James is saying, hey, uh, we should, it's a good idea, y'all. It's a good idea. If you're sick, to, to bring the elders and ask them to come and pray for you. And it's even a good prayer to ask others, too, because of what we're going to see here in a minute, uh, to pray for healing. And maybe, just maybe, God will do it. And many of you, have, you've been witnesses to this. You've been witnesses to this even maybe when you still believe the cessationist view. He's like, well, I don't know, like, Maybe God's bigger than the box I put him in. He is. Uh, and so uh, th- this is, this is what the, the question becomes then, verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick person. What does that mean? What does a prayer of faith mean? Is it, is it basically like if you are asked to pray for someone and you ask God to heal them and they don't get healed, is it because you didn't have enough faith? It's like, well, well, that's great. Now you have guilt and shame showered upon you. That's fun. Is that really what he's saying? You just got to believe hard enough. Well, faith, let's, we have to get back to faith, right? I think I need to do a, a series on faith. Uh, the Greek word is pistis. You have, to, you have to finish that word. Pistis, okay? Um, faith is not just belief. It's not just, hey, I believe in God, right? Like James already said, if, hey, even the demons believe and they shudder. Like, it's not just that. It's not just belief. But faith is allegiance. It's an aligning with God. It's, it's saying, hey, I'm with you and you are my king and I'm going to do everything I can to obey you because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? Like that's what, that's what scripture says. Um, and so I'm going to align myself with your life and what your will is. And this is what the, the person who's praying for, for healing has to be really in mind of. Like we have to turn down the volume of the world and we have to be able to hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times the Holy Spirit will whisper and he'll give us some nudges. It'd be nice if he was just like, hey, 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 hey. Go talk to them. Go pray for them. And, and like, that'd be great, right? Amen? Can I get a witness? Uh, but sometimes he doesn't do that. Um, and so he, we have to be in tune with, the, with God, with the Holy Spirit, what he's saying. And sometimes he may give you an inclination like, hey, I should actually pray for this person to be healed. And you have to have the faith to be, not just believe in God, but to believe God. That's hard. That's hard sometimes because you can see some of the string of people who have asked for God to heal them and never experienced it. Maybe it was you. And so the person comes and and we pray as people who are faithful to him. And we have our lives aligned. We are wanting his will ultimately to be, to, to be done. And sometimes when we're asking God to heal uh, someone, we and we're not really sure if that is the Lord's will because it's not the Lord's will every time to heal someone. I mean, Jesus healed a bunch of people, but he walked by a bunch of people too. Did you notice that in the Gospels? If you're reading the Gospels at some point, like notice how many people he didn't heal in the process of healing some. And so we have to align ourselves with the will of God, ultimately wanting him to be glorified and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask him to do it. And we also understand that, hey, we don't have the perspective nor the power to know, God, exactly what you want. 
But sometimes the healing does come and it just, it just comes in a different way. Like the Apostle Paul, he had an issue of his own. Uh, he called it his thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it actually was. I'm assuming it's not an actual thorn in his flesh. Can you just take that out, right? Um, but it was a metaphor for something else. And we don't know what that thing was, but he, he, he talked about how he would plead with God. And if anyone could pray, like it'd be the Apostle Paul, right? Like, amen, he could pray. He'd probably pray uh, the, 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 the doors out, you know, the, the ceiling off. Like, he could pray. And, and he pleaded with God to take this away. And, and, and God didn't do it. God didn't take it away. Instead, God told Paul that in your weakness, I'm going to uh, make you strong. Like, when you are weak, I am strong. And so, sometimes God gives us a healing mentally and spiritually to where we have the strength to endure the thing we're dealing with physically so that we can be faithful to him even in the midst of it. Sometimes God heals us in a way that we didn't expect, y'all. And we have to be open to that and know that it's his will that needs to be done, not ours, and because we would be terrible gods if we were God. And so also, like, I don't want to gloss over this and and not talk about this. Like, it's a gift of grace when God heals supernaturally. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace from the God of grace. However, it's also, we don't need to um, only celebrate that, but it's also a gift of grace that that you took your your last breath. Like, you, you you just consumed oxygen. And the only reason that that is happening is because God's holding together uh, the universe. And, and so it's a, it's a gift of grace that we even have the opportunity to live. It's also a gift of grace that we have bodies that if you got a cut or something or a bruise or something, your body can heal itself. Isn't that crazy? You know, like Wolverine, like he, he's like uh, the X-Men Wolverine. Uh, he, he can like heal himself real quick. Like, it's not like that's something different. Like we can heal, our bodies heal themselves. It's crazy. But also, let's not forget this fact. That because we live in the day and time that we live in right now, we live in, historically, from a health standpoint, the best time. This is the best time to be alive. Why? Because God, the gift, the gift of grace he's given to us is the opportunity, the ability for us to learn the things that we've learned about the human body, about anatomy and how uh, biology and physiology and chemistry and all these things work so that we can actually develop things that can heal someone of an ailment. Like when we experience disease or viruses or, or whatever it is, we can actually develop things to help our bodies. And that is only a gift of grace. So God gets the glory even when God uses the doctor to heal you. Uh, because it wasn't just the doctor healing you. It was God working through the doctor to do so. And so he gets the glory on all of it. It's a gift of grace. We can celebrate all of that. So healthcare workers, they, they are doing God's work of healing people. They're doing kingdom work of healing sickness. And ultimately, Jesus will return and he will do it all himself. And we will experience an existence where we don't have to worry about getting sick because we will be in perfection in his presence. So, but I don't want to miss this either. Verse 16, this is him zooming out and giving us all a perspective. Because so far, if, if you're suffering, you should pray about that. If you're cheerful, you should praise God about that. If you are really sick... Um, you should call on the elders to pray for you, anoint you with oil and pray for you. Um, But now he's going to turn his attention to all of us. And in verse 16, he says this, Therefore, because of all that, because uh, the prayer of faith will save a sick person, and, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And he says this, The prayer of a righteous person 
is very powerful in its effect. So think about this, y'all. If we are a family, which by the way we are, it's just hard to really comprehend that in our day and time. But the picture James wants to give us is a picture of when we sin, we are not like the world is, we're not like our tendency is, our if-then statements. If we sin, then we run away. If we sin, then we run and hide. If we sin, then we try and avoid everyone, especially the ones who know about it. Instead, what he's saying is we are the people who, if we sin, we draw near to God and to each other. If we sin, we draw near to God and to each other. How different is that than our tendency? How different is that than the world? Because again, he says... Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. How many of us are super pumped up about going to each other and confessing our sins? Yeah, line me up, baby. I'm, yeah, we're going to start this new event, y'all. It's on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Uh, it's called Confession. It's going to be awesome. We're going to come in. We're going to share all of our stuff. We're going to pray for each other. How many of y'all would show up? <laughs> uh-huh. All right, I'll see you on Wednesday. (laughs) But that's what we're called to do because we are a community. We are a a group of believers who have been brought together by Jesus into a family. Whether you know each other a super lot or or even just a little um, or even not at all, we are still bought by the blood of Jesus, brought together in his family. We are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we get to come together and we get to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other. And that's a that's a messy thing, y'all, because I don't know if you've been around people much, but that's scary. Because how many times have you gotten honest and somebody used that honesty against you? They misused it. And my friends, I know that that will happen. And yet, we need not lose sight of the fact that God has called us step into that messy place of, of getting to know each other to the level that we can really truthfully bear one another's burdens, confess our sins to each other. That's a hard thing. It's not fun. Because sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Sometimes someone does hold it against you. But James wants us to see the picture that God wants us to see. And that is a community that's prayerful, that loves each other. Because if I bring something to you that I've done, I know I'm bringing it to someone who's also done some stuff that you ain't told nobody about. And you, as the person who's being brought this stuff, need to keep that in mind. Because you are not higher than someone else. But we are all the lowly who are brought up by Jesus when he rose from the grave and given us new life. And so we come to each other in honesty and in confession and prayer and and and, and understand this too. Like uh, maybe if someone came to you right now, maybe some of you are in the, sp- in the space where if someone came to you and said, hey, can you please pray for me? I've got this thing. I need you to pray for me. And you're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you're thinking like, all right, got out of that. Like I might pray later, like, right? Like, but they're like standing there and they're like, No, I I would really love you to pray for me now. How many of you would be super nervous about that? You don't have to raise your hand. It's all good. 
But like that, that's that seems like oh hold on uh, didn't you mean to take that to Brandon you know like uh, one of the elders or something you like mean to take that to them no like he's what did he say all there I hope you got your Bible open like you just check me on this therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed he's talking about all of us so here's the thing you don't have to level up to another level of Christianity before you pray for someone in their presence like. I know, like, it's crazy to think about, but that's a thing. Like, if, if you follow Jesus, you surrender to him, like, you're, you're eligible. <laughs> uh, you've reached a level. Uh, you don't have to beat the, the bad guy at the end, you know, like on Super Nintendo or something, uh, before you get to that level where you can do it. Uh, you, you can actually do that now. And the only thing holding you back is a willingness to trust God. That's it. Because here's the thing. Talk about this. The Holy Spirit's indwelling you. He's going to be the one interceding on your behalf. And he's going to be the one who gives you the words to say. And even when you don't know what to pray about. Because sometimes we get to the point where we don't know what to pray about. And we don't know what the words to say. We don't even know. He's the one who can search our hearts to the depths of it. And translate that and intercede on our behalf to our Heavenly Father. And so even when you don't know what to say. Pray anyway. Because the Holy Spirit can work. And understand this. Uh, you don't need to know all the old King James English to be able to make sure your prayer is heard by God. Thou, sh- Lord uh, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, I don't know what I just said, but I think it's important. Uh, can you please, you don't have to do that. You just have a conversation with him. It's good. It's all good. And so you don't have to get to another level of faith or level of Christianity before you can be a part of this, you're called to do it anyway. So understand, if, if praying for someone, especially when they're with you, is outside of your comfort zone, understand God normally calls us outside of our comfort zone because that's the place we grow, um, and just take a step of faith and you'll see God work. Because he wants us to be a connected community who lifts each other up and is in this thing together. Verse 19. My brothers and sisters... Here he goes again. Crazy family. My brothers and sisters. Homies and homegirls. If any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I'm going to just read that again, okay? Um, Just need to let this sink in. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, Let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So this is one of the most fundamental reasons why we miss it in our day and time is because we think Christianity is just about us surrendering to Jesus personally, having him be our personal Lord and Savior. Show me the Bible verse that says that. That's not in there. Um, and it's just between me and Jesus, and I get to go to heaven when I die, and that's all it is. But there's so much more than that. You're called to be part of his kingdom, not just someday when, but right now. You're called to be a part of his family, not just someday when, but right now. You're called to be a part of what he's building right here on this earth, a kingdom community who has outposts all, over, all across this world, who's trying to live out a mission of being like Jesus And making disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded them. 
while he's with us. And so, uh, by the way, like this is, this is, here's the thing. We don't just mind our own business in the church. Because we don't usually do that with family either. But what James is saying is like, hey, if somebody among our group here, our, our, our people, strays from the truth. Because James is already getting to know that, hey, uh, people in the church, and they sometimes experience some hardship. And sometimes we don't run to God. We run away from God, right? We stray away from the truth. God did something, or we think God did something, and we run away from him. We're upset about it. We're frustrated, and we stray away from the truth. We get out of the, the habit of being together and, and, and seeing uh, ourselves be encouraged by one another and spurred, spurred on to, to good works and loving good deeds. And, and so we uh, forsake that. But some of us, we think, like, I just got to worry about myself um, and not anyone else. But, my friends, if, if we are in the church and you're a follower of Jesus and you see another follower of Jesus straying away from the truth, then, then if you notice that, you are encouraged and invited to go to that person and love and ask them, hey, what's going on? To be an ear to hear, to, to hear what's going on in their world. And when God gives you the opportunity to speak grace and truth, to speak the truth and love to them. See, love is not just a, a permission slip to just go do whatever you want. That's what the world wants to think. That's what this world loves. Well, love, you love me, you just let me do whatever I want. That's stupid. Come on. No, if I loved you, I would care enough for you to tell you the truth that you're going down a path that's going to lead to you to destruction. So we as the church, our brothers and sisters, if we see someone stray, we, we come alongside of them and bring them back. To Jesus, or at least we, we invite them to come back. And if you're, if you're someone who struggles with a savior complex, like you just, you have to help, you have to do it. Like understand, it's not because of you, it's because of Jesus. You're trying to get them back to Jesus, not your version of what you want them to do. But we're inviting other people to journey with us to Jesus because this is who we are, church. We want to be uh, it's more aspirational right now, I think, because we still have to work through some of the kinks and convince you that this is true. We are to be disciple-making disciples. That means that to make a disciple is not just my job. It's not just the elders' jobs. It's yours, too. Like, we're all called to be disciple-making disciples. People who can, can look at relationships not just as a let's just hang out and have fun, but how are we bringing each other to Jesus? When we meet someone out on the streets and we're like, oh, hey, how are you? Like, we, we have uh, this, this, this wonderful blessing, a gift that we want to give to them. And so we build relationships because we love them. And we also want to help them see the truth about who Jesus is, right? That's, that's, that's who we are called to be. And we are called to help others, and we use this language here, help others take core steps. So if someone's straying away from the truth, then maybe one of the things that you could do is bring the truth of the Word of God into the conversation. Say, hey, this is what, this is what the Word of God said. You surrender to Jesus, right? Well, then He's King, and this is His Word, and this is what it says. So what do you think about that? Like, how, what, what's, what's going on? So we help others take core steps, and, we, and, and by so doing, we help... Make disciples. This is, this is not just a thing for the church staff or the church leaders to do. This is for all of us, y'all. You have a mission from your king that you are called to be a herald of the gospel. Someone who carries this message that anyone and everyone can repent and sur surrender to the king of kings, the Lord of lords.
And they can experience life and freedom and grace. And so your relationship with Jesus is not just for you. Your relationship with Jesus is for the world. And so what does it look like to build a thriving home and thriving sphere? It's what we've been talking about a lot as a church. I think to, to sum James up with what he's been saying, and especially today, it's this. Thriving in life doesn't mean you get to avoid pain. But that through both the ups and downs, you stay connected to the God who loves you. I, I wish we could say, hey, um, come, come meet Jesus. He'll make everything better. He'll make you so happy. He'll get you wealthy and healthy. It'll be great. If you follow Jesus and you have enough faith, you won't deal with any problems or pain. I can't say that, y'all. I can't say that. We worship a king who's calling us to even through the trials, even through the difficulties, to stay connected to him and be on mission for him in this world, to dwell with him, to enjoy communion with him, to be with him and he with us. And so even in the, the darkest times, in the hardest times, if, if you think, oh, I'm not thriving because I'm struggling, well, guess what? You can still thrive even when you struggle. And the question is, are you in the midst of your struggle? Are you fighting to stay connected to the God who loves you? And if you are, you're doing the best you can. And understand the Holy Spirit's going to be meeting you right where you are. And if you're willing, he'll take you on a journey to where you need to go. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to listen. And so church, this is the, the vision, is to be a prayerful community. And so what I want to do is, in a little different than normal, um, here in a minute, uh, we're gonna, the worship team is going to come out and we're going to sing uh, out to our God. And, and while we do that, a few of us, uh, elders and myself, we're going to be up here at the front. And uh, maybe, maybe you're someone you need, you need prayer because you're suffering, you're, you're hurting. Um, come forward. Or you can even raise your hand and we'll come to you. Um, ask for prayer. If things are going well, you can, you can ask for us to praise God with you for that. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're sick and you need to call upon the elders to ask them to anoint you with oil and, and ask God to heal you. This is a perfect time to do that. Maybe you're someone, you just, you're dealing with some stuff and, and maybe, someone, maybe people don't know about it. Maybe people do know about it and, and you just, you need more prayer for strength. You just need... God, to meet you right where you are. I, I want us to, to use this opportunity as a step to become a prayerful community together as a church. And so maybe you find yourself needing prayer. I'd encourage you not to leave this place without having someone pray for you. Maybe you just look to the person to, to your left or your right and, and you ask them to pray for you. That's a good and right thing to do. You don't have to just come forward to do it. If, they, if they're bought by the blood of Jesus, then they can intercede on your behalf too. And maybe maybe uh, if husbands, you got your spouse, maybe even your kids here, like maybe, maybe you all need to pray as a family for whatever you're dealing with. Um, whatever you got, take it to the Lord. Right now we're going to stand and we're going to sing and I would invite you as we sing to pray even more. Jesus, we come to you knowing that you are our king, you are our faithful, uh, loving brother, the one who came to 
make a way for us to be adopted by our Heavenly Father. And, and God, we come to you knowing that there's, there's a lot. For a lot of us, I know in this room, like there's, there's some stuff. And uh, we're, I know I'm grateful, and I, I know everyone else is uh, who, who loves you is grateful that we can bring those things to you. Um, but God, would you encourage us? Because sometimes we, we don't know what even to ask for. We don't even know what to say. Sometimes the pain and the struggle is so deafening and so hard to, to see past uh, that it can be really difficult to even know uh, where to start. And God, we know that you want to meet us right where we are. And so please, would you do that? Would you humble us uh, to, to ask for prayer? It can be such a humbling thing to, to put ourselves in a position where we ask someone to pray for us. God, I pray that you would, you would do that in us, uh, that you would, you would continue to nudge those who need to, to ask for prayer in this moment. God, you've, you've made a way for this to be an occasion for someone to, be, uh, to become even f- more free from what ails them uh, than, than what they were when they walked in. Holy Spirit, would you please lead us as we sing, lead us as we pray, and have your way with us. We invite you, Jesus pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.